0: thank you for listening to sermons by Chaplain Braswell. We hope that you are encouraged by these messages and that God will continue to bless you. And now, today's sermon. Well, good morning. Once again, I invite you to turn, if you have a Bible, I hope that you do, to Daniel chapter 9. As we one more time look at the book of Daniel, I believe this is going to be the last of our series in Daniel. I realize there's a Chapters 10, chapters 11, and chapter 12. But we're kind of up against some holidays that are coming up and I think other things that we want to kind of cover in our services uh, before before Christmas. So I think I'm going to close it out right here as we look at Daniel chapter 9. And this subject, lessons from a praying man. Lessons from a praying man. As you read through the book of Daniel, one thing you notice about him is he is a man of prayer. John Owens, who wrote, John Owen, excuse me, who wrote The Pilgrim's Progress uh, in the 1600s, a pastor, he said this. He said, What an individual is in secret on his knees before God, that he is, and no more. Daniel was an example for us, I believe, in that he was in a world that was. What the, in the New Testament, some people have said sort of this idea of we're citizens of God's kingdom, yet we live in this world. Daniel was in the world of Babylon, yet he was not of the world. Very much like we as Christians talk about our world, right? We're, we live in a world, but we're really not of this world. Daniel showed that to us, I think, as, as we read uh, his, his, his book he goes through many, many years as of course he was enslaved, but then he quite quickly rose to the top. They saw him as one of the finest of the Israelite young men, and they trained him in all the education that they could, but he remained faithful to the Lord. When you think about Daniel's prayer life, one of the things that stands out is him and his friends. You remember the story of Shadrach and go? Why? Why did Daniel typically get in trouble? Typically, because he prayed. He got thrown in the den of lines because he prayed. And it's not that he started to do it because the king said, don't pray. He always prayed. The three Hebrew boys who said they wouldn't bow to the statue because they were people of prayer. Daniel, in all of his times, he gives interpretation to the dreams of two different kings. How did he, was he able to do that? Because he was a person of prayer. When you read in Daniel 1 through 6, I shared this last week, we'll we'll say it again. In Daniel 1 through 6, Daniel is writing in the third person. He's telling you the story. In other words, even as he refers to himself, he he says, Daniel, he's third person. However, Daniel chapter 7, he begins to say, I, Daniel. 7 through 12, you get all his visions, and we talked about one of those visions uh, last week. Well, now we turn our attention to Daniel chapter 9, where he prays. And he tells us a couple of things about when this happened. Because remember, Daniel is not written in chronological order. Daniel is written in chapters 1 through 6, where he sort of gives you an overview, but then 7 through 12, some of it happens in in one king's reign, and some of it happens in another king's reign. And Daniel is simply summarizing all the things that, that took place. So look with me in Daniel chapter 9, verses 1 through 2 to begin with, where he simply tells you when. He says, in the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, a descendant of, the, of Amid. This was, when, this was Daniel in the lion's den time frame. He was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, verse 2, in the first year of his reign. So right as Darius started his reign, he says, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jerusalem... The prophet must pass before the end of the desolation of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. Now, I want to point out, Daniel is referring to a prophecy that took place in Jeremiah. That's very important. And he talks about those 70 years. And if you keep reading in Daniel 9, you get, you, there's a lot of prophecy here and a lot, of, a lot of ink has been written about what all this means. But you got the 70 years here. The 70 years is also talked about in Jeremiah 25 and Jeremiah 19. And you also have the book of Revelation that kind of deals uh, with all this. Now, that's where Daniel begins his writing There are two major themes, I think, that come up in Daniel chapter 9. One is Daniel has, and we read about this when when Brother Darrell read it for us, he's very specifically given a corporate uh, sort of confession of sin. He's saying, oh God, not only have I sinned, but our people have sinned. And he's very open about that. But number two... He recognizes the greatness of God. He recognizes the uh, awesomeness of God. He begins to share about those two things, corporate confession of sin and greatness and awesomeness of God. Now, with that said, what I want to do is as we look at this chapter together, I want to draw some lessons about prayer. I don't know about you, but one of my greatest challenges in my Christian walk is, is, is my time of prayer. And, and I believe that Satan, the enemy, his strategy many times is to get us to not pray, because if he can get us to not pray, many of the other battles are won. We live in a world, we, we live in a time where we kind of have this mentality of tire, pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps, and we're all and, and all this. There's all these things I can do. And if you and I are not careful, we, we can actually survive and do pretty well in the, in the world system, in the military system, just by simply doing all those things that are expected of us. We can get really good at it. We can live our lives. We can get our promotions. We can check all the blocks, boxes, and we can look really, really good. But if we miss this piece of prayer, we may, we may very well miss almost everything. Because when we pray... We're talking to God, and we get what God can do. You've heard this before, but many times prayer is not so much for God so that he can hear what we have to say as if you're going to tell him something, and he's going to go, Oh, my, I'm so glad you came by and told me. I I didn't know that. That's not how prayer works, right? When when things happen at work or things happen in your family, there's sometimes you ask, What's the famous question? Who else needs to know? You know, there's things that happen. I might need to, whoever my supervisor is, uh, sir, ma'am, I need to tell you about this. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Well, God doesn't work that way, does he? He doesn't need us to tell him so that he keeps up with what's going on. That's not the point. The point is us. The point is it's more of an attitude. It's as much about your and my attitude as it is an act. So let's talk about prayer. And and, and I'm going to share with you what I see in this passage is four uh, lessons that we can take from this man of prayer. So if you're taking notes, I'm going I'm to give you four points. Point number one, pray as an outflow of the scripture. And we'll unpack this. Pray as an outflow of the scripture. As I've already said, and we've already read it, Daniel is praying in the context of Jeremiah 19 and Jeremiah 25. Now, we know that Daniel, he didn't have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. He didn't have Revelation. He knew some Old Testament, no doubt, from uh, the first five books, I, I have no doubt. He was writing part of the Scripture himself. and other prophets' counterparts who actually kind of lived pretty close to his time. He probably didn't have their writings. But he was a man who understood, I need to know what God is saying. So as Daniel read Jeremiah, what was he doing? He was saying, Jeremiah is a prophet of God. I understand that. I understand that what Jeremiah was writing was from the Lord. I need to know that. Daniel was a man who read the Scripture, who knew the Scripture. If you go back all the way to Deuteronomy chapter 28, we won't turn there now, but I want to point this out because it's important for us to understand that Daniel's praying was grounded in the Bible. In the Scripture, in Deuteronomy 25, it talks about this idea. Deut- Deuteronomy 28, excuse me. I'll give you a, a quote from it. Moses, Moses told the nation of Israel this. He said, if, you, if the people forsake God, here's the quote, the Lord will bring you to a nation that neither you nor your fathers have known, and you shall serve other gods. Well, guess what? That came true because the book of Daniel was written when? While Israel was in captivity to Babylon. Daniel understood the times because he understood the Bible. We live in a time where we can pull out our phone and, I mean, I I could just... I could hook the phone up to my watch, and while I'm preaching, I could see the quote, latest and greatest news. You, I, can, I can go home. I've, I have found myself because I love to sleep. I don't like to stay up late. There's been many ball games. I kind of go, you know what? I'm going to wake up at five in the morning. I'm going to click, and I'm going to find out whoever won. So sometimes I do that, or I'll wake up in the middle of the night and click. Oh, I'll say who won. We're so used to the latest and greatest, but what I want you to notice here as we talk about prayer, the most important truth that you and I need to know to be rooted in a fruitful, and productive prayer life is not so much what is current, but what is truth right out of God's Word. Daniel, I have no doubt kept up with what was going on in Babylon, but I tell you what really gave his prayer strength was that he understood the times he lived in because he understood the God of the Bible. Phrases in this chapter come right out of Scripture. When he talks about how they got brought into captivity. He is essentially quoting Deuteronomy. He is quoting Exodus. He quotes Psalm. He quotes Jeremiah. And this is in keeping with many other parts of the Bible, isn't it? Remember Jesus when he was talking to his disciples? I'll share this with you. In John chapter 5, Jesus said it this way. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will and it shall be done for you. One of those passages, oh, ask whatever and it'll be done for you. That's what it says, right? Well, read it carefully. If you abide in me, so if I abide in God, and what abides in me? His word abides in me. Do you see how that works? Why is it so important? Because here's why. As you and I study the Bible, guess what our prayers will begin to line up with? They'll line up with the Bible. People over the years ask me as a a chaplain or as a pastor, The Bible says I can just ask for whatever and God's just going to give it to me. Well, it does, but it does very specifically say in my word. What I've noticed is that as someone knows the Bible and stays in the word, their prayer life will become lined up with this book. If you want to be in the will of God, know the Scriptures. Now, let me ask you a very practical question. I'm going to get away from these, these lights so I can see a little bit better. Just, to, just a show of hands. How many of you, I'm going to give you my, a little testimony myself, and maybe some of y'all can identify with this. When I think about, like, just the, my knowledge of Scripture, forget the seminary and all that stuff, when I think about the Bible verses that I know and the simple Bible stories that I know, I am blessed because I grew up in a, in a, in a family who took me to church and kind of knew that, or any of y'all like me in that, that, that that was your, that was your background. Several, several people. Right. Now, let me say this. The good news is, is if you're here and you, you grew up in that background, that's great. But my message to you is don't just rest on that. Keep it fresh. Keep reading the Bible for yourself. Those of you who maybe became a Christian later in life and you didn't grow up in a Christian home. I got just as good a news for you. The Bible's still for all of us. No matter what our background was, my encouragement, my challenge to you is to stay in the Bible. Again, one of the easiest ways for us to be defeated as Christians is to, is to, is to go away from this simple task of reading the Scriptures and of prayer. The first thing we have to do is it has to be rooted in the Bible. Now, number two. Number two is to pray... Humbly in the presence of God. Number two, pray humbly in the presence of God. Look with me back at Daniel chapter 9, verse 3, and that's number two. Pray humbly in the presence of God. Verse 3, here's what Daniel said. He said, I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking Him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. He talks about fasting and sackcloth. The sackcloth would have been literally something he would have worn, something they would have done during those days to represent that humility. Fasting. I'll be the first to admit that growing up in a Baptist church, we talked little about fasting. We would would bash all kinds of things out there that are bad and all this kind of stuff, but we didn't talk about fasting very much. But as I've gotten older and studied the Bible, I see that, wow, fasting pops up a lot of times. There's several times where the Bible talks about sort of a normal fast where you don't eat food. There's a time where he talks about an absolute fast, where that's no food or drink. And then there's a time where there's a partial fast. Uh, Daniel chapter 10, if you want to look at it later, actually talks talks about a partial uh, fast. We won't go into a lot of detail, but short to the point, what is the purpose of fasting in the Bible? Well, it typically is a time where we're going to set aside, where we lay aside food, where the believer is going to seek to know God, seek God's face, perhaps prayer. Uh, praying, fasting, where I'm going to put this aside and I'm going to focus on prayer. Daniel, in his humility, what I want you to see here is that he says, I'm praying to God and fasting and sackcloth and ashes. He is, he is coming to God in a very humble way, humbly into the presence of God. But the other thing I want you to see, because I think this is important, especially for our day. Look at verse 3 very carefully at the first part one more time. He says... Then I turned my face to the Lord God. I've told you before there, if you look in your English translation, it's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That is, in Hebrew, the name of God. Jehovah or Yahweh, playing off the verb that is I am that I am. This is very important for our day because Daniel prays very specifically to God. I share that with you because the scriptures teach very clearly that it does matter to whom we pray. Uh, we live in a time where, where we hear people say things like, well, I can just pray to whoever, as long as I'm sincere, it doesn't matter. Well, think about that logically for just a moment. What if, and I talked to Cheryl, about my wife, about this this morning. I said, I'm going to use this as an illustration. What do you think? And, and she's, she's singing at First Baptist Rival this morning, and she said, yeah, go ahead. So I said, okay. So I talked to her. I said, I said, what if with my wife, I said, you know, I have certain things I'm going to say to you. And and I'm going to treat you a certain way as my wife. But but I'm going to I'm going to talk like that to other women, too. And I'm going to call them sweetie and honey and I'm going to take them out on dates and I'm going to do this and that and the other. How do you think that would go over? Because what if I said, well, it doesn't matter as long as I'm sincere it doesn't really matter who I'm talking to. Cheryl's going to say, no, you, you, you better talk to me a little bit different than you talk to everybody else. And, and it works both ways, right? I, I, you know Cheryl, I'm not going to say, well, I talked to somebody else on the phone, but I, I said some of the exact same things to them I would say to you in a very romantic and intimate way. I'd say, oh, no, 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 no I don't think so. Why? Because it matters who you're talking to. When you look at this passage, Daniel, he, he makes no, he makes it very clear. It matters that he is praying to this God. It, 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 this, this idea that, well, as long as my words are sincere and I just kind of feel good about it, I can just pray to whoever. That's not what the scriptures teach. Daniel is saying very specifically, he is praying humbly to a specific one, to this, what it, he calls Lord God to this God who always was and is and ever will be. Uh, let me encourage you this day and age in your prayer life to understand that when we pray, we're praying to this God, the God of the Bible. When we pray, we pray to our, to our Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus Christ who died on the cross and, and saved us. And in, as we take communion in just a few moments, we'll be remembering what God has done for us through Christ. But when we pray, we pray humbly into the presence of God. Number three, we pray in accordance with Scripture. We pray humbly. But number three, we pray in repentance and confession. And this is what Daryl uh, read for us earlier, this idea of Repentance. This idea of confession. I, when I was looking at this, I couldn't help but think back to Nehemiah. Nehemiah prays a very similar prayer for the people of God. And I remember, Nehemiah was on the on sort of the tail end of the captivity when he was trying to bring the, some of the people back to Jerusalem. He prays this prayer of corporate uh, repentance. You see, uh, this passage it starts in verse four with some adoration, where he tells God who he is. Right? He says, "O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps His covenant and steadfast love and." those who love him and keep his commandments. But then verses 5 through 14, which we read a major portion of, and it's in your bulletin, he talks about this idea that we have sinned, we've done wrong and acted wickedly, we rebel. He he has about six different ways to essentially say, God, we are asking for forgiveness because we have sinned against you. I can't help but think about the New Testament story that Jesus told remember the Pharisee and the tax collector. Remember the Pharisee, who was the religious one, he said, Oh God, I thank you that I'm not like all these bad people out here, these extortioners and all these. And he points, I almost get the picture of this Pharisee praying out loud to God, and I'm so glad I'm not like this tax collector. You know, I've shared this with you before. Right. If you want to feel good about yourself and your own sin, you can always find someone out there who's a quote worse sinner than you to make you feel better. If you need any help doing that, call my wife and she'll tell you all the crazy things I do. And you'll go, "Oh, I feel pretty good about myself now because Chaplin does some crazy stuff. But seriously, you can always find someone who, in your own heart, you can justify your own sin. I can justify my own sin by saying something like this. Well, I may be doing A, B, and C, but at least I'm not doing that over here. That's not how Daniel prays. Daniel gets down to the reality. Here's how I have sinned against God. Here is what I need forgiveness for. And notice if you read verses 15 through 19, we won't take time to read the entire passage now. But that's where Daniel's petitions begin. But his petitions come after he asks for forgiveness, after the repentance comes. And it's, I think that's a good pattern for you and for me. If we're not careful sometimes, our prayer time goes straight to what? The petitions, the, the wish list. My wife and the girls went to the commissary yesterday, so you know what I did? I pulled out my phone and I texted a list. That that was my wish list of here's what I want from the commissary and had a bunch of stuff. Sometimes we pray like that, right? We we, we go to God and we say, all right, God, here's what I need. That's not what Daniel does. Daniel does make some petitions. He prays for other people. I think it's always right to pray for others. Daniel makes, he makes prayers for himself. I think it's more than appropriate for us to pray for ourselves. Do those things. By all means, pray to God. He even says, I pray this a lot as I go in and out around the hospital. I I think about that passage where he says, the one who clothes the lilies of the field and he he feeds the birds of the air. If he cares about them, God, I pray for us here because I know you care about us. You've, You've shared that. By all means, pray those things. But I think you and I, our prayer lives will be lacking if we don't keep a healthy dose of remembering God, there's some times where we need to be restored. There's some times when we need repentance. And that comes through taking those times to reflect like Daniel has and say, here's how I have sinned. Here's how I want to pray for myself. Here's how I want to pray for the people around me. Like the psalmist where he says, what created me a clean heart. Like a psalmist in 139 where he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. See if there be any wicked way in you. No, 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 in me. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. We need to pray in repentance and confession. And then number four. As we look at Daniel's petitions, I think we pray to God and remember His character. We pray to God and remember His character. Look at verse 15. Let's read a little bit of this passage together. I want you to, as we read this, I want you to notice what he says specifically about God. He says in Daniel 9, verse 15, And now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand... ...and have made a name for yourself, as at this day we've sinned, we've done wickedly. Verse 16, O Lord, according to your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy hill. Go to verse 17. Now therefore, O our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for mercy... And look, who, look at the next phrase. And for your own sake, O Lord, make your face to shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. He's asking God, God, for your own sake, for your own character's sake, will you please be merciful to us? Again, I, I think about another passage in Jesus as he talks about, remember that story where there was a widow who needed a judge to hear her case? And what did she do? She went and she she kept bothering him. She kept going. She kept knocking. And as she did, what did the judge do finally? And Jesus even says in that story, he says, this judge, he didn't fear God. He didn't respect man. In other words, he didn't care anything about what God thought. and He didn't care what anybody thought. So he was not a good person, right? He's he's not exactly the epitome of character here. The judge is seen as as a not nice guy. But this widow keeps bothering her, and finally in the story, if you remember, this is in the Gospel of Luke, remember what the judge finally did for that widow? Jesus tells us in his story that the judge essentially says, ah, just so that she'll leave me alone, I will give her what she wants. You ever, you ever, had, you ever had something where you needed something from somebody, and you just had to, the squeaky wheel gets the grease? You ever heard that phrase? Have you ever had that happen in your life or you were that you just you know, nobody advocates for me like me. I'm just going to bug the snot out of these people until I get what I need. That's how she was. Jesus's point was very simple. He said, if somebody like that sorry judge can do something good just out of being badgered, how much more when you and I bring our petitions to a heavenly father who loves us, how much more will our God care for us? When I see Daniel and I see his petitions, we find out what happens. Go down to Daniel chapter uh, chapter 9, verse 20. Guess what? God sends an answer through an angel named Gabriel. Maybe you've heard of that name before. He comes up a little bit later in in the story of the scripture, right? Gabriel. He sends Gabriel and Gabriel shares with him this information about the 70 weeks, this information about what is coming up, about God's plan. When I see this, and I encourage you to take some time to read the rest of the chapter and the rest of the book because we, you get an explanation about these 70 weeks, and I believe uh, much of this ties in with the second coming of Christ, and, and it, is, it is prophetic. But when I see Daniel's prayer and his petition What I see here is God essentially responding to him. I've been helping you to understand. And now as Daniel has prayed, Daniel gets his answer. Because God cares about Daniel. I believe as you and I follow the lessons that the Bible teaches about prayer, what I believe is we'll see our prayer life grow. I believe we'll hear from God if we follow the the pattern of prayer and pray in God's way. In a very similar way, as we celebrate communion, we remember as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we remember that Jesus said in the Gospel of John that He was what? The way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. Very much like we know that we can only be right with God through our having our sins forgiven because of our faith in Jesus Christ, when we take this communion, we remember that. I hope and I pray that as we take this communion together and as we leave this week, that we'll remember some of these lessons and that when we take time this week to bow our heads and to pray, that we'll follow the patterns that we see in Scripture. And I believe as we do that, we will continue to hear from the Lord. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, in this passage, it says that as Daniel kept praying, he finally got his answer. I recognize sometimes in our life, God, we feel like we're praying and we may not feel like we heard an answer. God, I pray that you would minister to each and every one of us. And I pray that you would increase our faith that you would teach us to pray as we pray your model prayer on a regular basis here. I, I pray that we would follow your pattern of prayer, that it would be rooted in Scripture, that we would come to you humbly repenting our sins and praying because we know you're a good God with a great name who loves us. God, as we take this communion together, I pray that you'd prepare our hearts. And God, may we... Even practice this pattern of prayer now as we seek our own hearts and prepare and see if there's any sin we need to repent of. And God, may we just, in the quiet of this moment, reach out to you knowing you hear us and you forgive us. And God, may, as we take this communion together, may it bless us and remind us of this great salvation we have uh, through Jesus Christ. I pray for your people this week. As Daniel gave petitions, God, I also give those petitions I pray that you would hear our prayers, and I pray that we would, God, those who are desperately crying out to you, God, I pray they would hear from you. And God, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.